What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Severe MMA Podcast. Joined today by Jake Smith, an up-and-comer in the world of MMA media over from Newcastle. Who, okay, this is the first question I need to ask you. Who, who is the best player to ever play for Newcastle United? Ooh, a Man United fan asking that, yeah. asking for a... <laughs> I mean, Shearer's got to be up there. Shearer, Come yeah. on. Was she a little bit overrated? Is that sacrilege? <laughs> One man team, like they never had anyone else for like fifteen years when he was there. It was just a team fully built around him. Yeah, but I mean that number nine shirt had so many great sort of before it, and I guess when you look at it now, Shearer was arguably the last one of the yeah Andy the- Carroll, Andy. Yeah, mm-hmm. legend. I love But no, um, I know. I mean, we got your man, what Michael Owen, for a while, and I think he had more injuries than he had goals. But mm-hmm. it's yeah. <laughs> Festina Espria up there. Definitely. I love a bit of Festina. What a legend. Yeah, like, what a, yeah, what yeah. a player he is. What <laughs> was that? that as well, of course. Yeah. What was that baldy lad? The mad looking fucker. It was like, he's from fucking... Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually like that. <laughs> Your man, he's like from Georgia or somewhere. Is that, oh my God, mad. What was his name? Not King Cladze. I don't know. Anyway, doesn't matter. I, <laughs> I, I I think everyone around here is like a soft spot for Newcastle after the whole Kevin Keegan madness and everything. And just it seems like a great. It seems a very Irish place, does Newcastle? I've never been, but I I must uh, I must go over there anyway at some stage and uh, yeah. visit. Judging on our night out in Dublin, Sean. Newcastle night out. Yeah, very similar. Very similar. We'll uh, we'll get into that in a second, but. <laughs> Let me ask you this first. How did you get into MMA media? Like, because the, the first time I met you was probably around a year ago now at this stage. And uh, I met you in an event and we were just like, you know, you were doing the videos and I was doing the videos and we were talking afterwards in the bar and in the next event as well, we kind of met up and I looked at your videos and stuff and it was, you know, usually I'd meet someone, I don't want to slag anyone here now or anything, but you meet someone in an event and you might see them at one event and never see them again or like check out their stuff and like, you know, they have two videos up and then they never do it again or stuff. But you seem to be very consistent and in interviewing lots of people and, and doing it. How did you get into MMA media? When did it start? Um, so it was when I was at university, I went to University of Sunderland doing sports journalism mm-hmm. um, and I went, so one of the lads that I was sharing a house with, he worked in a bar and his friend was fighting on a local MMA show yeah. and my mate had nobody to go with so he was like, Do you fancy sort of coming along? Mm-hmm. So I thought well, you know, like, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. So like obviously I'd seen like the, the Chuck Liddells and all that, the sort of videos, you know, like that you watch on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but no, my my friend's friend was fighting, and uh, I went along, and the it was made for the cage, which is a massive show in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if you look across that sort of cage warriors, Bellator, Rasta, now the, the people who have been at the top, you'll find have fought on made for the cage at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went then. The event was headlined by James Mulheron and yeah. Ruben Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just fell in love with it, like just watching it live. Just it was, it was an incredible. Night. Um, Ryan Scope fought as well that night. He fought Lewis Long. Scotty. <laughs> Scotty. Uh, right. uh, so he fought Lewis Long, and then yeah, I ended up. I, I was like writing for the uni website at the time, and I thought 
I'm going to found James Mulheron on Facebook and I thought, oh, I'm going to give him a message in a, done an interview with him and it just sort of went from there, really. Um, and then Fight and Talk started. Uh, started off as like a six-part podcast and then developed more into like a shorter videos and interviews and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of took off. Like, I think a lot of people maybe kind of started like that, found the sport and kind of fell in love with it and, and yeah. kind of just got obsessed with it then very quickly. I think that's kind of most people's way into it. They kind of become fans. If there's anyone like, uh, you know, transitioning from like another journalistic endeavor over to MMA, they probably they don't stay at it long because it's fucking insane. But like the, yeah, the, yeah. the insanity of it seems to uh, either draw people in or, or turn them away. But, you know, you talked about the um, Newcastle and uh, Sunderland around those areas in MMA these days. And there seems to be like a lot of fighters coming out there. You know, Cal Eleanor, obviously the one who's supposed to fight James Gallagher a few times. And we'll get to the story around that fight soon. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what fighters would you say like at the moment you know because i i look at fighters in in england or whatever and i was like oh, i wouldn't know if they're from fucking newcastle or birmingham and london usually or anything who are the yeah. ones around that area who you think are like the best ones around at the moment that people should be keeping an eye on it's crazy when you look across like the northeast mma scene at the minute is absolutely booming but because there's a couple of fighters signed to cage or there's a couple of fighters signed to bellator i don't think you get to see the sort of full magnitude of it mm-hmm. i mean you come to a like the likes of a bellator dublin event you've got Kifa, Peter, Leah, James Gallagher, you've got like all of these names, like all signed the one promotion and it really shows just that top top level of talent mm-hmm. in in around Dublin. Whereas I think in the Northeast was sort of spread across a few different promotions, so it's almost a bit more difficult to try and build that. Yeah. Um so you look at the minute in the likes of Bellator, we've got of course, as you mentioned, Kalel No, you've got Ryan Scope, you've got Justin Burlington. Mm-hmm. Um so Justin was matched, I believe, for this Bellator London card. But of course, what's happened there has happened with this coronavirus. Um, and you've got Andrew Fisher as well. Yeah. I mean, Fisher's a vet of the sport. He really is. And it, it's crazy. Look at that. That's the, the four lads I've just mentioned there. They're all fighting out with Fisher's gym as well. Mm-hmm. Um, then on Cage Warriors, of course, you've got Perry Goodwin, who had that cracking win over Stephen Mabel. Yeah, brilliant very, win. very yeah. good. Uh, Adam Proctor, coming off that really impressive performance against Maddest Flaminis. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, the Adam Reese McKay fight, I think, is something that everybody's yeah. particularly looking at. Um, James Hendon as well. I mean, his accent wouldn't tell you, but James trains out the Northeast. Obviously, coming off that, I think it was 30, 27, 30, 26, 30, 25 when against Chris Edwards. Yeah, he was the wrestler, wasn't he? A really strong wrestler. Take him down yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it yeah, yeah, very good uh, judo background, very strong judo background. Um, and I, I think that was a fight for James that's possibly sort of put him on the radar a little yeah. bit. Um I think I took him to five and one or mm-hmm. four and one. Um, of course, Lewis Monarch as well was on there. Josh Abraham, both signed to Cage Warriors. Um, you got Phil DeFries, KSW yeah, World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. <laughs> Phil fighting out with Sunderland as well. Um, a, a really interesting one, I think. This year could very well have been her year if it had not been, you know, this sort of unforeseen pandemic. Yeah, is Ken- <laughs> yeah Kennedy Freeman. So Ian Freeman. Yeah. Is he He's from Newcastle. Well, he's from he's from Stanley, so he's from Durham. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Ian Freeman, his daughter now Kennedy, she's three and Really? Um, That's yeah. interesting. Whoa. She, she's a pro and she's signed the Bellator. Really? I didn't even know that. That's mad. Jeez, I, yeah. it, it's a, that was, there seems like a story there, doesn't there? <laughs> oh, I mean, it, it's crazy. So um, again, Kennedy was one of these. She had her first few fights on Made for the Cage, mm-hmm. um, and then she got signed by Bellator. I think it was towards the end of 2019. Yeah. Um, but she ha- have a hip operation, which has obviously put her out for a little while. Mm-hmm. So she yeah. hasn't fought for Bellator yet, has she? She hasn't yet, no, right. no. Um, I think she only signed 
I think she signed around the same time as Andrew Fisher mm-hmm. towards that sort of back end of 2019 there. Um, but no, she's still sort of recovering from that um, hip operation, I believe it was, that she had. Yeah. But, I mean, there's definitely a story there. In a, I know when I spoke to Pizzi Bellator, I'm keen on doing stories, but I mean, there's surely one there 100%. to promote. And yeah, for a girl who's only 3-0, she has some following. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy following. Then you've got as well Lanchana Green, who was meant to be fighting Corey McKenna. Yeah, she fought in Cage Warriors a couple of times, wasn't she? Uh, yep, yeah. she's fought. Uh, yeah, and a few different promotions. And Saj Hack as well, who was meant to be fighting Jake, uh, Jake Hadley. Mm-hmm. He's from South Shield as well. So, yeah, we're, we're littered with talent at the minute. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, when you said it out like that, I wouldn't have even thought of half of it now when I was there. Yeah. Yeah, but there's, there's a lot, I suppose. And, you know, I, we, I suppose we talk about the Callan and James fight because that's a fight that's just been, you know, insane. It's, happened, it's supposed to happen three times. It's never happened. <laughs> Before we get into the fight itself and maybe when it could happen or if it should even happen again, tell us about your experience around travelling over to see that fight and all the hotels and everything. Tell us. Yeah, so the, the first one was, oh, what was it? Last last February, yeah. Dublin? I remember saying I thought it was like 18 months ago, but it turns out it was only like nine months ago, so it's probably around yeah. a year ago now or something like that. Yeah, yeah so I'm sure... I'm, it was a fit. Oh no, it can't have been. Anyway, whenever it was, it was one of the Dublin cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so got everything sorted. I think that was the first time we met actually, Sean. Oh, yeah, yeah. Had everything sorted for that, and like as much as like until you get to that sort of top, that all the travelling comes out your pocket. So mm-hmm. paid for my hotel, got everything sorted, and then I got a text off Carl. Um, my brain scans come back, and I can't fight. So it was like, ah, well, right, okay. Like, you know, he was all right. That was sort of the main thing. As long as the fighter safety yeah. is sort of the main issue. But came across, had a great time out in Dublin. And that was good. Um, Brian Scope was on the card as well. That was when he fought Peter Quayley. Oh, yeah, I was working, and, so, yeah. That's one thing as well that I've said that to so many people now. That Peter Quayley walkout Unreal. is one of the craziest, like, and I know, I think you'd mentioned it. I think Andy mentioned it when we were out there. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm a Geordie, though. I've been in a crowd of 52,000 Geordies screaming at a 90-minute mm-hmm. like winner. It it does. It's not even comparable to Peter's walkout. I, yeah, I think it's because it's like it's such a closed-in area as well. And they changed the uh, tree arena a few years ago to make it like the, the sound and they're really good. It's funny because they actually fucked it up in the last one. But uh, yeah, for, for that yeah. one, it's unreal. <laughs> but so what happened after that? Did the, the fight was made again for last year and it didn't happen again? Yep, so the fight was made again for... It was not February. Or this year, was, was it? Yeah, February gone, wasn't uh, it? Time yeah. is an abstract concept to me. Yes. Is um, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, anyway, yeah, but we got all booked in for that. Um, driving into work one day and we got the email from the Bellator PR team saying the fight's back off. <laughs> uh, so it was another... And don't get me wrong, like, of course I'll cover sort of any... But northeast sort of area predominantly is where I do get my coverage from. Mm-hmm. So I'd oh well it went back even further than that. There, that time we had Ryan Scott meant to be fighting Paul Redmond, Aaron Chalmers fighting Austin Clem and Cal. So there was a, a strong northeast interest on that card. Mm-hmm. Um, of course Ryan pulled out weeks prior to the event, um, but that still left of course Aaron and Cal on the card. Yeah. And then yeah, I think it was what like a week and a half, two weeks prior to the card. Mm-hmm. Of course James sustained a severe injury to his back in there. Yeah, so and now the one in like a month's time, which isn't having an either. Yeah, sure, we will book up for London as well. <laughs> yeah. But you know, <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, you you mentioned Aaron Chalmers there, and I get back to to James O'Connor in a second. But what what's how's Aaron Chalmers seen like in the local scene in the the local Newcastle scene, and maybe just by the people in general in Newcastle? 
in terms of as a fighter like, or well, yeah, both I suppose maybe let's just go as a fighter first like how yeah how did people in like the fighting MMA scenes in Newcastle see him I think it's largely sort of what we've seen with that last fight against Austin Clem I think it's just sort of like accepted now it's just mm-hmm. a case of all right cool so Aaron did do uh, did do Jody Shaw now he fights um I don't think look, I mean, Aaron said it himself, he's always gonna have skeptics, he's always gonna have people tuning in hoping he's gonna get knocked out. But um at the end of the day, I think it's got to the point now where well, what's he had? Five, six fights? Yeah, like, so much, it, yeah. It, it's not a novelty anymore. Do you know what I mean? If you'd got in once and had a fight, won the fight and let it what was it, two and a half minutes his first fight and then never fought again. Mm-hmm. I think obviously people would be a bit against that. Um but I think Generally, the scenes just sort of accept him as like, all right, cool. This is what this is what Aaron does now. Um, yeah, I like that. It, it seems to happen with other people as well, not just him. Like some people that come from different circles or in from even like Brock Lesnar. I know he's a, a very different example, but it takes time for people to get accepted when they're new to the sport. Even like new fighters who've been doing nothing but MMA for their whole lives, it takes a while for people to understand either you know how good they are if you're someone like an Adesanya or something. But like Aaron, okay, he's he's a flawed fighter. He's like I, I interviewed him before the last fight. And the thing he, I kind of asked him that question. And the thing he said to me was like, right, I'm an MMA fighter like any other MMA fighter with like no amateur background and five or six fights or whatever it is. Like, I'm going to be improving. I'm still going to have flaws. But look, I started two years ago. Where am I going to be in two years' time? And like, that was that was the first time, like, I spoke to him, what, two or three times now. And that was the first time I had heard from him. And, you know, he said it in other interviews, I'm sure, as well. But that he was looking at, at it as if like he was you know a lifer in MMA and I think you know everyone has kind of changed their opinion on Aaron a little bit and I think that's a good thing because he seems like a genuine guy doesn't he who's actually like into MMA and was trying to make like a career out of it yeah I think he's under no illusion either do you know what I mean he's yeah. not under the sort of idea that oh in two years time he's going to be fighting for the belt um, Aaron knows that what, what's Aaron now 31, 32 he knows that his career sort of like he's not going to have that stretch that the likes of yeah. somebody turning pro at 18 will be getting. But, like, I think Aaron's in a position now where he can go out there and he can start to test himself. I know he put a tweet out the other day about rematches only mm-hmm. or whatever from now on, which suggests his next fight will probably be either Corey Browning or Austin Clem, um, which, for me, I think I'd rather him see him move on and maybe maybe fight somebody different. Mm-hmm. Um Definitely not Austin Clem anyway. I think that was it's, well, it's yeah. too quick. Like after that, give, maybe give him a year and have that match again. But it was just it was there was too much of a differential in that one between, you know, or, may, or maybe if there's a card in Newcastle, bring, bring him over there. But where's there any going to be going to be any cards for the next few months? Who knows? But yeah, I don't know. if there's going to be any card in Newcastle in the next two, yeah, I'd be happy. Well, what's, uh, yeah, what's the crack with that with uh, Vince over there? That, that, that one with Aaron sold pretty well. Did, did it or did it not? Or am I gone mad? Yes. Yeah, so we had. Uh, when Bama was still around, um, Ryan Scope fought for the Bama lightweight title. Won that. Colin, it was when Colin Fletcher fought Dizzy, and Aaron fought Carl Donaldson, I think it was, um, and that was like a Bellator Bama combined card. In yeah, um, yeah it, it sold well, it sold really well, but it seemed to be that once Aaron's fight was done, the no, crowd dissipated quite yeah, a bit. That can happen. Um, which. Which then, I guess the promotion's cut in a, uh, stuck in a difficult decision whereby do they put Aaron higher up the card and potentially, you know, like sort of hack off other fighters mm-hmm. or do they run the risk of putting Aaron where they did put him and then the crowd's disappearing after he's fought. Um, so we had that and then Bellator Newcastle was the first of the Bellator European series. Yeah. Um, but 
I mean, cage warriors. I think I, I don't understand why there isn't a cage warrior show up here. Or they don't seem to like doing shows like in the north of England, do they? Or in Scotland as well? They, they're. I was saying about Glasgow. Like, there's loads of fighters in Glasgow now, and seems to be a big fan base, and they never do any there as well. That's. I don't know. Well, it's odd, isn't it? I think the Glasgow side of things is slightly different with them sort of contract tied almost. Maybe, yeah, I suppose. Where you look at like the likes of Chris and Chris Bungard, sorry, and Robert Whiteford mm-hmm. signed to Bellator. But then you're other Scottish writers like Paul Craig's in the UFC. You've yeah. got like Scott Malone on Cage Warriors. I think it's just more of like sort of difficulty planning with that. But mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, I was looking the other day just having a look on the Cage Warriors page and you look at that last, the, the only card I think they've done in Newcastle when Alex Enland was, uh, I believe that was when Alex won the belt. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that whole card was just lettered with Northeast talent. And I really think they could do it again, especially with the momentum some of these Northeast boys have got. Yeah, yeah may, may, you know, maybe as, uh, the fucking coronavirus has taken everything off us. Maybe well, it's something they yeah. would have done. So, well, um, we'll move off the, the whole Newcastle thing in a second, get to maybe other news uh, and uh, a bit of uh, UFC talk and stuff. But the, the, Cal, the Cal James fight, like... It's something that I, I think we were all talking about the last time we were sitting around at the, at the event that, like, it's it's changed from a fight where I, like, I knew, I you know, I knew Cal from around, but I didn't know him, like, uh, you know, if someone asked me about Cal, and I'm like, oh, who's that? Let me look up on if he's like, oh, yeah, I've seen him fight once. But now he's like, oh, I've seen all the Cal's fights, watched them back. I, look, broken down that fight three or four times now at this stage. Like, it's, this fight has done a lot for Cal, even though the fight's never happened, hasn't it? Do you, like, do you think, I know you've interviewed him loads of times and had him on the podcast and stuff. Do you think he's a guy who's like, since that, he's been kind of elevated to the level of someone who is becoming like a prospect or like James Gallagher, you know, who's talked about since before his first fight as being one of the top prospects coming through. And that like, that has raised him to like, maybe if he beats James to kind of take his shine and then start rising through the ranks. Do you think it's really helped him that kind of being, uh, you know, on the same step as James? Yeah, it, it seems sort of crazy that although the fight's never happened, every time it gets announced, Cal's stock seems to rise. Yeah, it's weird. Um, within the promotion, within even when if you look at like Bellator's sort of social media when the fight first came about or when Cal first had his first fight, it was against Nathan Grayson mm-hmm. back in February last year. Um, there wasn't much of a sort of social media push. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's... I think Cal's stock's just going to continue to increase sort of every time the fight does get announced. I think it can only help the fight. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you even look between the two of them, um, between Cal and James, there's it's certainly not as friendly as it was when the fight was first announced. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, look, I, I really hope the fight happens. Mm-hmm. Whether it does or not, I think is another thing entirely. Um, I know, well, James has expressed sort of interest in fighting Petlis. Yeah. That was... I don't think that's a great fight for James right now. Like, I like... I think Cal is a great... What I've always said about James is, right, he's never, like, you know, he's never risen to, like, someone on his level where he can didn't take on someone else who's on the next level. Like, I think Cal is a similar sort of level now to James, whereas if he beats Cal, he can move on to someone better. Like, I think Sergio Pettis is too much of a level forward, especially for James when he hasn't fought in so long. Like, James or Cal, either of them, you know, if they keep improving, they could get to that level. But I don't think they're there yet. And I don't, like, I, I think it's been Bellator's MO, especially, you know, maybe not with Cal, but with, with the likes of James and MVP coming through, or Fabian, their prospects that they like. And maybe not Fabian so much because he got a tough fight in his last fight, but to give him easier sort of fights to get him through, or not easier sort of fights, but like fights that winnable fights to, to get through and I think Pettis 
at this stage is not like a completely winnable fight. It's a fight you might have for a, a title in you know two years time down the down the road when James is fucking fifteen and one or something like that. I, like I think the Cal fight makes a lot of sense, and I think as well they've shown that you can sell out an arena in Dublin, especially with James Galler taking on Cal Elner, or you know, and they have yeah. I know that Peter Queeley fight against Pitbull coming up as well, but they do that double carting so they can have them both as main events. Like I think that makes so much sense. Do you, do you think it might not happen? Like, or do you think it it, it can happen in Dublin? I'd love to see it happen in Dublin. Um, you just don't know. It's MMA. I mean, yeah. for Christ's sake, you know, it's buying an island to put fights in every <laughs> exactly, week. Like, yeah. I exactly. mean, there's, there's no other sport in the world like it. But um, going back to what you were saying about James, like, James has that star factor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could put James in against somebody from the front row and it'd sell out. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, exactly, yeah. like, James has such a draw. And I've spoken to James now a few times, interviewed James a few times. And he's he comes across as such like an honest and genuine type of young lad that's yeah. just trying to like make it. So like, what's he? Thirty-three year old? Sorry, twenty-three year old? Yeah, around that. Yeah, very young. Like, yeah. I mean, he's got years ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see the fight happen, but you never know. Yeah, we'll see down the line. Right before we get on to a bit of the UFC, let's tell this Goldberg story, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. We should tell it, but let's tell anyway. So let's let's set the scene. So we're. I'll set the scene. You could tell the last part of the story. So, right. oh, okay, so I'll get the slanderous bit. <laughs> you can cover your back, Sean. Right, no <laughs> I'll agree with you. Yeah. So it was the Thursday night. Of the, like this was only what a month ago, was it? It seems, as I said, time is an abstract concept. But it was not too long ago anyway. So Man United were playing the Thursday after the media day. Uh, and I like text you and text a few lads to call up and we watch it. So we were, it was me, you, and Sean Dini sitting now watching. Was there somebody else there? <laughs> no, uh, no, no, just now <laughs> watching the match. And, oh yeah, well, there's part of the story I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> so we were watching the Man United match anyway. And we were drinking away a few points. Like we had, we had a good few points in now at this stage. Oh. Man United match was well over. And who walks in but like Josh Thompson and Mike Goldberg? So we're like, no, we're not going over to him. Like we're fucking living there. Like we'll, we'll, uh, you know, we'll keep away drinking our few pints. But then, like the rest of the bar started to close to uh, uh, empty out, yeah. and it was like half twelve at night. And we all kind of somehow all congregated <laughs> together and started talking and having the crack. And uh, you could take it up from here. <laughs> after that, then. Well, you decided then to go into not only the fundamentals, but the intricacies of jiu-jitsu with Josh Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then we were sitting in, like we said, we don't know if somebody had asked him to or whatever, yeah, but while so. we're sitting, we just, yeah, Goldie start, like, sort of yelling out his iconic lines from the last 25 years in the sport. Just standing by himself in the corner <laughs> of a barge roaring, and here we go! And I remember the two of us like turned at the same time and were like, is is this a mirage? Like, is this actually happening? How many pints have we had? <laughs> and the fact, if I had seen it myself and I was just me looking at it, I would not have believed it. But the fact that you were there and you saw the same thing, it was like, and it is all over. Mike Goldberg just roaring himself in the corner. And he, like, he wasn't even, if he was falling around the best or something like that, but he wasn't even that drunk. Like, he was, I was yeah. you know, he, he was grad, but yeah, it was very funny. And then uh, Aiden Power from the Dean was there and the Josh Thompson stuff. They're actually real nice lads around, aren't they? You know, better. Like Mike Goldberg, I've never seen someone who loves being Mike Goldberg as much as Mike Goldberg. Like. <laughs> he loved it. Like, people are coming up to him and, like, you know, talking to him. And, like, usually you'd see people you know i've been to loads of events and seen loads of fighters and commentators and, all, and they're like oh hello hi, how are you and you know they're all nice but 
Mike Goldberg was like wanting people to come up to, <laughs> to see him to talk to him. Yeah. Like he was, you know, he's, he's dead out of fairness. But uh, that's the sort of thing as well. You get isn't when you cover the sport, you like see people like that and meet him and maybe humanize him a bit, isn't it? Yeah, completely. I think that's one thing as well that has to be said about Bellator, whether it be the likes of Dave Green, Goldie, Josh Thompson. They're all so approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's nice for somebody like that not to have a guard up if you go and like yeah. you can just have a conversation with them like if you see them passing they'll always make sure that they speak to you um, I think it's really credit to Bellator in the European scene mm-hmm. in uh, yeah. yeah it's like it's something that you know we've, we've talked about the European scene but like it's something that I, I, I don't know if it's going to be a success or not a success but they're making a good uh, <laughs> they're making a good um, go on it anyway I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll see as, as the time, uh, time goes go on the, the danger is if it doesn't succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's going to happen in where all these where, fighters where go? Where do these fighters go? Yeah, it's like it's going to be tough because they're earning a good bit of money. Did I got go back to cage warriors and not get that much money? And will the UFC sign them? You know, probably not most of them. That's yeah, it's an odd situation. Yeah, I know it's one of them. I guess. Right, I love covering my Bellator events, but mm. I think this coronavirus has almost been a blessing in disguise for the European scene this year because. Mm-hmm. They had Dublin in February. Yeah. They announced uh, London in May. Mm-hmm. Then they hadn't announced another show in between that May show and the October show back in Dublin with Creeley and Pitbull. So that's what, three cards in 10 months? Yeah. And don't get me wrong, they might have been announcing a couple of shows in between, but after the first year where we'd all been told, ah, oh, we're looking at eight to 10 shows the next year. Yeah. Hopefully it means they can <laughs> put sort of everything in for 2021 and we'll get that sort of eight shows but yeah that's it and you asked that question to dave green in the scrum above dublin i was like i hadn't even thought of that so it was like a great point you brought up like maybe it's something you know bellator are changing an awful lot they've kind of new uh tv partners over in the states and stuff so you know it could be something that's changing with that in the zone or coming into the uk as well maybe it's something that they, they, i i don't think their tv deal with sky is officially yet as well so no, there's a lot, a lot of things uh, moving around there. I suppose it's a conversation we can have when uh, <laughs> when things get back up and running. Um, yeah, I think. Go on. I think the European scene as well. It Dave Green had said about look building these stars in Europe and then taking them over. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot you know we can and can't say with certain things that we know, but there then are some fighters who will be going sort of on that American show that haven't really built up. Yeah. And maybe only been seen once or twice in Europe. Um, I, I just don't know. And then it's a whole European belt situation as well. And yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the whole scene pans out. I, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's interesting to see what's going to happen. Uh, let's talk about UFC 249 a little bit. I just I don't want to ask you any question here. Just what are your thoughts on it? Because like, I've given my thoughts Stupid. so much on this, probably, <laughs> probably too much. Uh, and I'm finding it the reaction to it has been a real struggle for me and I usually don't struggle with things in the mid-eases because it's so chaotic. But what, are, what are your thoughts on the whole situation? I mean, top and bottom, I don't think it should be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the, do I understand why Dana White's done it? Yes, of course. It's it's Dana White. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, exactly. that's, the, that's uh, the only reason he's doing it really, isn't it? Like, I mean, in terms of business move, it's... Well, I was going to say it's great, but it's pay-per-view, so it's not that good of a business move. Like, mm. the economy's diabolical everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, what, $70 in America? Yeah, something like that, $65.99 or $69.99, yeah. It's mad. Like, like it's... Uh, even, like, if you're trying to appeal to, like, the casuals, like, is, if I was a casual fan, 
I wouldn't look at that card and go, oh, look, this fight's happening. Of course, if Ferguson could be managed to go ahead, mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to draw all sorts of fans in. All them thousands upon thousands of Russian fans that could be bring to show, like, um, pay-per-view, sorry. But, I mean, I, I'm, I've got the card up in front of us now, and, like, I, 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 you're actually right though because you can call out the, the card there but dude, I never realised until you said that there it's actually a great card isn't it for like casuals but there isn't much like outside of casual interest that, you know it is there there's not a real big draw for non-casuals you know or no. for casuals yeah that's what I mean yeah and like if it, it's a perfect time to bring those casuals into it there is yeah. literally nothing else like put on it just put a superstar on that card. It doesn't even need to be like necessarily a big name. Just something that's going to pull a lot of eyes across. Um, Amazing didn't call Cerrone or someone like that. He would have been the perfect one for this card to put him on it. People know Cerrone. He just fought McGregor. Okay, he lost him. But, you know, I'm sure Cerrone would take a fight in short notice to get him on it. But, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Although, has he injured? Did, did, did McGregor like break his jaw or something? I think he possibly did. So maybe he's not. But, oh. yeah. It's, it's amazing they didn't like I think the thing about this card as well is like it's a good card for, for me and you but like the, the start of it is always like the proviso that it probably shouldn't be fucking happening and it's like a complete disgrace and I suppose we'll talk about that uh, over and over again but like you know Graham Boylan has come out today as well and said he's looking for a venue to do events on Dan Hoy says he's buying a fucking island <laughs> to do events yeah. on like yeah I think Graham said he's secured a venue hasn't he yeah so he's just waiting for the time to pull the trigger on that, which the, the right time to pull the trigger on that is after COVID-19. Exactly, yeah. Um, like, it, it's just unnecessary risk. Mm-hmm. And But don't get it wrong. Like, look, if fighters don't fight, they don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So I completely understand why these, what, 20 fighters, 24 fighters have said, yes, right, we want to fight, like, yeah, like the, the, the one thing is that people like criticizing fighters for taking fights, and um, that's not something I tend to do because Dana White, if like if Francis Ngannou doesn't fight this weekend, someone else is gonna fucking fight. You just know that. Like fighters are very replaceable for someone like Dana White when he holds all the cards. And if your boss tells you, "Oh, look, it's okay. You can work. We have this sorted. It's healthy." Like people are gonna do what they're told, basically. You know, and especially yeah. when it's limited. Um, uh, limited uh you know fucking opportunities in the ufc and another thing as well i think about like fighters and maybe it's different for you know cage warriors and and people who maybe aren't getting paid that much but like there's a tendency sometimes right you know you were talking about your uh your barber and stuff beforehand like if you're <laughs> if you're a barber you know you get paid what 10 times a day 15 times a day maybe you know you get paid <laughs> 70 times a week yeah. M- mma fitters got paid two or three times a year so, like, deferring a payment, I, I know this sounds very, like, crass and very, like, you know, uh, accountant <laughs> rather than human, but th- for them moving their payment two months down the road is not half as much, uh, you know, of, um, of an inconvenience or a change to their life as it is for a fucking barber or someone working in the pub or something like that. It's, you know, when people say, oh, they need to put money on the table, of course they do, but they do that exact same thing and have probably the same amount of fights okay a few people might lose a few fights and instead of two fights this year or three fights this year they might have only two or whatever but like am i completely just being too much of a prick with that like or do you think there's any sort of a good fight there but i don't know i think if you look what outside of maybe the whole jacquery fight down like mm-hmm you'll be getting a few thousand for a fight which you go oh what a few thousand for 50 minutes work yeah but if you're getting that what three times a year like 
a lot of these fighters will be it's not i mean i think some fans have this sort of illusion of like oh well all these fighters are making millions and millions yeah when it's not that at all um like like i said i don't think it should be going ahead but i'm also surprised actually with the sort of lack of heavyweights on the card because i thought the perfect way to do this is fill the card with people who don't need to cut weight yeah and you're going to get loads of highlight knockouts, and it's going to draw eyes into the sport. You probably don't want knockouts either, though, because you don't want to be sending people to a hospital because <laughs> it's just well, going to be stressing out. Yeah. Like, there's just... Well, it's a catch-22, <sighs> isn't it? Everywhere you look at an event happening right now, it's just so bad, right? Someone gets hurt, and they go to the hospital, they're fucking up the hospital. Someone misses weight, they have to go to the hospital, they're, they're fucking up the hospital. Someone gets fucking COVID-19, gives it to everyone in the venue, everyone in the OC, the OC shutting down immediately, and they're all fucked. <laughs> like okay none of those things might happen once but will it happen one of them happen in the next one will someone like francis ingenol versus jarzino rosentruck if we don't think a knockout's gonna happen in that you're or <laughs> someone going to the hospital is happening that you're probably fucking fooling yourself a tony ferguson versus fucking justin gaethje someone's gonna need that's fucking surgery true. after that fight. Like, like, <laughs> it's mad. and this private island thing as well like how much does a private island cost to buy it is there going to be a hospital on that private island for people to go there afterwards like I I don't know. I just don't understand it at all. And like you're you're right in, in terms of people thinking that fighters get more money than they actually get. But like I think fighters, um, they're more used of the paycheck being, you know, spa- uh, not as often as as other people. And like Dana White has already said, whenever the events come back and he wants to bring them back in tw- uh, ten days time or whatever it is now. That he's going to pump out event after event after event and do it, uh, you know, even if it comes back later or whatever, do it on a, a Saturday Windsor, Saturday Windsor. So those people will get their fights anyway immediately once they come back. It's not as if I think like it's going to be lost income and you'll never get it back. Like they, they can be ready to fight and be back in. And I know it's you know some people will some people will uh, lose money, but I don't think it's as serious for fighters as it is for other people, especially fighters uh, in the UFC. But that, I still I like. It's not them. Dana White should be not even making this a conversation. Like he should, he's the one that holds all the cards. If if he needs fighters, he's going to get fighters. If he needs referees, judges, and that's another thing as well. I'm sure that some of the top referees and judges won't want to be doing this and risking their life uh, to go and, and cover this sort of event. Like so, he's going to have he's going to have lots of, of madness to deal with. Do you think this event is actually going to happen? Though I know we're talking about it as if it's going to happen, but I still don't think it's going to happen. What do you think? I think I knew, but just touching on what you were saying then, without you know wanting to test like your COVID nineteen knowledge. Yeah. What's the sort of laws like governing now in the US? Because mm-hmm. this event simply just couldn't happen on like UK Irish shows because there's what I think it's no more than two people here in the UK gathering. Yeah, I, I think like, see the thing logistically, of, how's he getting on with this? I don't know. The thing about <laughs> it is, I think Trump said ten people in a room, but I don't think that's officially official yet. But I think what they're planning on doing is they're planning on having it uh, at uh, Tachi Palace. That's what Jeff Sherwood um, tweeted yesterday and reported. And that is on uh, Native American grounds. So basically that's the fucking Wild West. So they can do whatever the fuck they want there. So, uh, yeah. like I, I, Someone tweeted out uh, earlier on. Uh, MMA has spent the last 20 years striving for government regulation, striving to be a legitimate sport. And a pandemic comes around and we're looking to buy fucking private islands yeah. and fucking <laughs> <laughs> drop people off over of a fucking helicopter straight into an octagon so they can fight. Like, it's fucking crazy. Like, what is what a fucking mad sport that we, we're part of. But What uh, what do you make of them coming out and sort of everybody but the man himself, Joe Rogan, saying that Rogan's going to be there? Yeah, didn't did I didn't like, actually see it, but did Rogan say he's not going to be there? I thought he did. 
yeah, he, he sort of, it was on, I can't think which podcast. Mm-hmm. It was one of his recent podcasts. He came out and he said, yeah, like, um, no. Fuck you, like And then today, DNF come out and said, Rogue, nobody there. The UFC now run that as a quote all over their social media. I, oh, like, I, I don't know. Why would you sit there cage side? <laughs> I don't like. I don't. I wouldn't do it. He must be paying him a lot of fucking money to like make it look normal. I don't know. It just. Uh, I don't know. It makes very little sense to me. Like this. I, the, okay, doing it in Tashi Palace or whatever. At least it should be happening. But at least there's some sort of normality to that. You know, there's been fights there before. WBC was there. There was loads of fights for years and years up until very recently. Actually, I don't know if there's still fights there, but there was until very recently. At least that's somewhat normal. You know, with no crowd. But going to a fucking island, <laughs> like vying in the fucking, I just—I don't even know how to discuss that. Like it's just so fucking insane. But I don't know. It's, it's but, a mad. The sort of fact that that wasn't there to any of the other events was a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Pandemic. Like it, I, I don't know. But moving away from that, what he's put some cracking fights on that card. Yeah, it's a very good, it's a, it's a very good card in front. What, what, what do you think about this whole debate? I've Loads of people are always saying it to me and like, oh, if you're so against this card, you shouldn't be covering it. Like my answer to that is I'm covering before the card, I'm covering during the card, I'm covering after the card. Good, bad or indifferent, my job is to cover what happens, not to decide if it happens or not. I can voice my opinion of, over whether it happens or not, but at the end of the day, I'm not making decisions. I'm just talking about those decisions. What do you think of it? Do you think like people should be, if they disagree with this card, they should be not watching it and just boycotting it? Or should they be covering it like they do with anything else? Well, yeah, that's like saying, I don't know, they put on like, the Community Shield during this and they tell Henry Winter not to cover it. Do you know what I mean? Like It's, yeah. it's his job to cover... Mm-hmm the sport like whether you agree with it or not it's it's your job <laughs> like yeah. yeah no i i i completely think look disagree or agree with the card if you have a role within the MMA media i i think yeah you have you have to cover the card i don't think there's yeah i agree uh let's talk about a couple of the fights on the card before we go tony versus Gaethje. how do you think that one go uh, i mean just all out carnage. <laughs> like it's just more than likely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's one of those fights where you're like really looking forward to it, but if it wasn't in the middle of a pandemic, it's... <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah, it's also one of them fights that's so much a what if, mm-hmm. what if Gaethje just catches him yeah. when he's moving back? What if, like, oh. I, I do think Ferguson will get the nod. I imagine Ferguson will probably be the slight betting favorite as well. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, it's hardly as if, I mean, we've seen the videos of Tony Ferguson training. Mm-hmm. It's not as if you can turn around and say, well, he was specifically training for Khabib, can you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, as someone tweeted me, he's like, they can't be training, you know, they can't be sparring with their par- sparring partners. And I was like, Tony trains with fucking inanimate objects all the time anyway. So yeah. like, it's no change for him. He's grand. It's probably an advantage for Tony in the social isolation. <laughs> yeah, I know. How do you see it going? I, I don't know. I must watch more tape before. I, like I, what I usually do is I like watch a lot of their fights while thinking of them fighting the other person. If you know what I mean, to do my pick. Mm-hmm. But like, I just think, like I think Gaethje. If I was picking this fight, and I think they had, like he bought it, you know. 10 weeks to prepare or 8 weeks to prepare or whatever it was I think I'd actually pick Gaethje but I think the fact that it's being on short notice okay he's probably known he's been stepping in for a week or two but the fact that he probably can't spar although I'm sure he's been doing a bit of it and doing a bit of rolling and stuff as well because there's no way these guys are are uh, are not doing it I don't think maybe not him specifically but I, I think he probably has 
you know, it's it's a bit closer, but I think I'd have to pick Tony, the fact that he's been preparing for a five-round championship fight for, like, it's months at this stage, because this was announced a long time ago. Uh, I think I just leaned towards Tony, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it either way. Um, go on. What do you mean for being for the interim belt? I don't mind that. People, I think people get very stressed out about the whole interim thing. I like it, it makes little enough sense in this one. Although Habib, will, he's going to be out for a long time now because Ramadan is coming up as well, and he won't be fighting for six months or whatever. So it's going to be between Habib fights, probably going to be a year, maybe around that. So I, I'm alright with it. I think. So do right. you think the winner of this may face a certain Irish mixed martial artist mm-hmm. for the belt, and then the winner of that face Habib? It depends on the pandemic, but that wouldn't surprise me at all. Do you know what else wouldn't surprise me? If a certain Irish mixed martial artist <laughs> fought Habib and then the winner of this fight was just fucked out and they stripped yeah, well, a bit of yes. or whatever. Yeah. You know, they fell over a wire and uh, they couldn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me one bit either. But it's interesting because it's not just like, what will McGregor get the winner of this? Will he get Habib? It's like, imagine if the winner of this gets Habib. Then where does McGregor go? Like, because he was supposed to fight Gaethje. And it looks like Masvidal's fight Newsman. I don't think the Nate Diaz tree fight makes sense right now. Like, who is he going to fight? I've no. If you had to pick McGregor's next opponent, who do you think it'll be? Uh, see, I think the Nate Diaz fight's uh, sort of as when he wants it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I think he should keep it for when he doesn't have anything else. Maybe that's now because he doesn't have anything else right now. Hold on, right, well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he hasn't, yeah. yeah that's exactly it. Like, I just it, played myself there. I mean, what? Do you give, do you give Connor the loser of Ferguson Gaethje? Maybe you could do that. Yeah, but, well, but is that the sort of fight Connor would want right now? Like, I don't know. Maybe, like, if someone like Pettis was coming off of a win or someone like that, or, like, he needs a name, like an Edgar. I know Edgar's going down to 135 or whatever, but that fight was a fight that was always talked about. It, like, I really think, like, Pettis, to me, like, is a good name for McGregor right now, or maybe even for the last fight as well. A really good matchup for him. McGregor's still building his way back up as well. People kind of maybe forget that. And with this where he's not still not able to train... Uh, are not able to train with people anyway. It's uh, it's going to be tough. So like, I wouldn't mind seeing another fight like the Cerrone fight. And I think a Pettis fight is is that. But I don't know. That's just me. But you know, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot to be talked about. There mightn't be many yeah. events, although there might be a lot of events. <laughs> the way things are going, but there's a lot to talk 2021, about. I think we're going to have one every other weekend, uh, yeah. don't we? Uh... Yeah, the end. Like the end of this year is going to be insane. If let's say we all get back to normal in October, there's going to be fucking. Every Premier League game is on at three o'clock is going to be on TV because they've lifted that weird ban thing you have in England. Um, there's <laughs> there's going to be fucking rugby. There's going to be fucking golf. There's going to be uh, the Six Nations. Is going to be, like, that's rugby. Uh, there's going to be MMA like fucking twice a week. There's going to be boxing cards every week, and it's going to be fucking mental the amount of sport. That's all that's keeping me going really. It's just, it's just going to be so much stuff. Touching um, on that as well, being lifted in October though, realistically. For the Bellator Dublin October card to go ahead, does this ban not need to be lifted around mm. July? To yeah. give them a solid eight-week training camp and four weeks back in the gym. I think that card, if this pandemic runs on past the middle of June, I think that October card's in serious, serious trouble. I think the thing is, I think we'll be all right in Ireland because I think Ireland is dealing with it pretty well and I think we'll get over it a lot quicker. But the UFC, or the UFC, the UK and the US... They seem to have this like superiority complex in the, in the UK and US where they think, ah, it's this little bug can't get me. 
I'm just, I'm just going to fry through and it'll be grand. Where it's just the flu. It's just the flu. <laughs> it's just the flu, exactly. <laughs> so I think that's going to hugely prolong it. And the problem then is, like, if it was just Irish fighters fighting Irish fighters, like, and I'm being very fucking optimistic here, maybe, about Ireland, but I think it'll probably be all right by then. But the problem is, you know, you've Pitbull coming over to fight Queely, and if Cal is coming over to fight uh, James, you know, it's not just Ireland that needs to be okay. The UK needs to be okay. Brazil needs to be okay. America needs to be okay. And that's probably, you know, that's probably more out of the question than anything else because it's going to go on and on and on for, especially in America, I think, but I think in the UK too. So, yeah, that car could be in jeopardy, couldn't it? it? Yeah, but if it does happen, and like you mentioned there, Cal against James and Peter against, what would you think of mm-hmm. the Friday night, all the fights mm-hmm. that were originally scheduled for Bellator London to take place on the Friday night and then the Saturday night to be a full Bellator Dublin card? Where would the Friday night card be? In Dublin as well? Yeah, three arena. Double edit. Why not? Sign me the fuck up for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, although I'll have to spend about five days in Dublin now, so maybe yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, John, imagine spending five days in Dublin for a fight to fall through. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. And you were, for that fight, you were in the Gibson, weren't you? So that's like fucking three grand's worth of all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but no, um, what, what would you think of that though? Because I, I mean, like that idea, yeah. There was only what, uh, granted, there was probably more, well, I know there was more contract signed, but let's say there was what, 10 fights on, on that Friday night? Yeah. Open it up to people who've already bought Saturday tickets, open it up to them for like half price. Mm-hmm. You, you'd, I think you'd 100% fill that venue twice over with James Gallagher headlining one night and Peter Greeley headlining the other. I agree, I 100% agree. I, like, I think the. The uh, the Leah McCourting will actually help Leah in the next time. So let's say you put Leah as the co-main event to the James fight, right? And you put yeah. Kiefer Crosby as the co-main event to the Peter fight. I think Kiefer's a big. I don't think people realize how big a draw Kiefer actually is around Dublin. If you put him there, maybe you have Aaron Chambers on the card again. You know, you mentioned Aaron Chambers. I meant to say it actually. You know, you said he fought in Newcastle and then everyone left. The same thing happened in Dublin. It was like he fought, and I'd say he brought a big crowd over with him. Now, you know, interviewing him beforehand, he kind of did say it. And you know, you had uh, obviously, uh, you know, the Ryan was the Ryan Scott fighting that night as well. Oh my god, man! No, no he was due to fight. Yeah, he was due to fight. Yeah, yeah. So I think like even the people maybe that came over to see him were coming over from Aaron as well. And then that fight's over, lets everyone go. So like maybe yeah. you can get Aaron on the card as well, and he'll bring a big crowd, I'm sure, over as well. So, and but you had James Haskell make his debut as well. He's yeah. not going to be on that May card. That's a good point as well, yeah. Like, they'll probably want to do a London card again, though, maybe. But, yeah, it's interesting. Do you know what the big issue with this as well, that maybe is one that people wouldn't think of? Those venues are going to be tough to get. Because there's, go- like, fucking, you know, Green, they have a concert here coming up in a couple of weeks. That's going to be called <laughs> off. They're going to be looking for a venue. Fucking Billie Eilish is going to be looking for a venue. And The Weeknd and all these other shit fucking acts. Not Billie Eilish is class, though. <laughs> Don, I, would, I, was, I did not mean Billie Eilish when I said that. She's a fucking legend. So I is won't have a bad word. confessing your... Uh... Oh, I, I, I confess that every day, Billy. I just fucking imagine. <laughs> but that—that's going to be an issue as well, isn't it? Like there, there's only a certain amount of venues that actually might help. I think in the UK because there's a lot more venues in the UK. Whereas Ireland, like, you, okay, they've the, the event booked already for the the Saturday night, but getting our our the venue, sorry, but getting it for the Friday night might be tough. Although they usually have the venue on a Friday night for the weigh-ins and the stuff. Wins, yeah, yeah, so maybe, yeah. In, in what perfect way I think to start that Friday card, the either Friday card have the Saturday ceremonial weigh-ins straight into a fight. I like that. I, I, li- I like this idea. Sign me up for that. Where's your newsletter? Let me sign up for it. I, I love it. I love it. Let's end it on that. I think that was fun. Good old podcast. Bit of a yeah, bit of a chat. Bit of a chinwag. Tell the people where to find you. Did you change your... We were talking about I did, earlier. Yes, I did, yes. What's your um, Twitter handle? 
So it's at Jake Smith Journal. So J O U R N O. Jake Smith Journal. And uh, the YouTube channel and Fight and Talk. Have you a Fight and Talk Twitter account? Uh, yeah, it's literally just Fight and Talk. Right. Um, it'll come up. Um, and yeah, Instagram is Fight and Talk. Facebook's Fight and Talk. Is YouTube a- is Fight and Talk, but it's the account called Fight and Talk, not the other person's name who seems to have. Pricks. <laughs> never like that. Never like that. Is there going to be any sunbed uh, Instagram lives or anything coming up here soon? Or no? You never know, Tony. Never. Before we go as well, though, one, two on. people that I want to mention on that northeast scene that I completely forgot that are there for the taken for any promotion are the Hardwick brothers, George and Harry Hardwick. Oh yeah. Who was the one of them fought uh, Richard Kiley in the last card? George fought Richard Kiley on the last card. Yeah, he was and, good. Yeah. yeah, and Harry fought Nathan Rose back in London. And him and Dylan Logan were looking to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, that's a good fight as well. Yeah, I took Tom Buckle on. What a Ross Pearson as well. He's from Sunderland, isn't he? He's yes, he guy. is. Yeah. yeah. He, well, he lives in Australia now, but yeah. Oh, he does, yeah. Yeah. I don't want him anymore. Is that he got now? He got yeah, fucking nah, knocked nah. out once, and he's gone. That, <laughs> that was a crazy knockout. Yeah, it's one of the knockouts of the year. That was fucking unbelievable. Um, your man, what's his name? You mentioned him earlier on. The fucking mad lad that was on tough with him. The the Joker. Kind of he's from around there as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Colin's from Washington. Um, no, uh, I believe Colin's coaching now in Durham. But um, oh, I mean. Yeah, Collins, uh, what mad, a character. Mad uh, lad. He was, that tough was class. That was the best tough ever. Like He was brilliant. Yeah, unbelievable. So one of his last fights, um, I'm pretty sure it's like a northeast, mu- oh, you can't even call it a music genre, MCing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I will have to send you some music later on, right? Yes. So the, the two artists from around here, MC Smalley and Gino D, right? Collins last. <laughs> I, I, I love I, it already. I'm sold. You know, if, I, if I've still got the video, I can send it to you. Do whatever you want with it, right? Yeah. Colin had these two MCs in the middle of the cage, had six or seven people dressed as clowns dancing <laughs> on the knockout, yeah. came out with a chain around his neck, with these six lasses in clowns' outfits walking him down the cage. <laughs> Well, oh, bring him back. Why don't Bellator need to get him on a card? I love, I love, like, I usually, I'm not the biggest fan of that sort of stuff. For some reason, I love Colin Fletcher. Because he was just, he was just the ultimate weirdo, like, on that tough season. I was like, this is what we need in MMA. Like, we, it was at the time we were trying to go too serious. Like, and, uh, that tough yeah. season brought it back. He just yeah. loves fighting, though, Colin. Like, he's yeah. just, like, he fought Chris Bunga. That was, I think, Chris's second or last fight before he got signed by Bellator. Mm-hmm. That was a hell of a fight. Five round out was great but yeah Conor Fletcher man what a man legend legend of the scene Jake <laughs> I'm oh, everyone follow Jake go over and follow him we need to support the new people coming up and doing good journalism and doing good interviews and stuff like that and doing it the right way we a lot of pricks not doing it the right way and I must say you're definitely doing it the right way so everyone give Jake a follow thank you very much Jake I appreciate that Sean my man thank you very much Cheers. thanks everyone for listening we'll see you all next time